All right, back to podcast number two this week, or one if you count our Weezer podcast. Uh, as a bonus podcast, welcome back, listeners, to Chunky Glasses, the podcast, but you knew that's what you were listening to, all 11 of you. Um, this week, uh, sort of, it, it's funny, I think I've talked to everybody except for Adam Newbauer on this podcast before, uh, this group that we had in here, um, talking about the Coward Squire. Uh, initially a project of uh, singer-songwriter. I'm not sure he really likes that that moniker. So uh, I think in the write-up of Colo Musico, we'll go with that. But anyways, uh, Andy Zipf, been a staple around here for quite a long time. Uh, joined forces, recruited, uh, invited his friends to play. Uh, friends like Ryan Walker from Beanstalk Library. Uh, ben Tufts, who if you listen to this podcast, I think you know him by now. Uh, and Adam Neubauer uh, on drums. Uh, anyway, to, uh, to sort of form the core of this group uh, known as the Coward's Choir. Uh, they have a couple EPs out. Their latest EP is called Cool Currency that came out on the 4th. Uh, th- I think that, yeah, that night actually they did a release show at IOTA. Uh, and then the very next morning they came over here to uh, sit down and uh, drink a uh, metric shit ton of coffee. Uh, talk about the new EP. Uh, talk about a little bit. Andy spent some time in Lynchburg. That's where I'm from. Uh, so it's always interesting. I think he's the third or fourth person to be on the podcast this year. He's from my hometown. So we talked about what that was like and talked about what, uh, what sort of Coward Squires, the Coward Squire is going to be going forward. Uh, if you haven't heard the EP, we've got links in there. You can stream it. Uh, there's a video out for uh, Is This a Wrecking Ball? There is. Uh, I highly recommend it. This is the work of four uh, musicians working, I'd say, at, at, at the peak of their abilities, uh, along with Aaron Mason, uh, who produced the record, who you've heard on this podcast for the uh, Ben Tufts and Friends thing. Uh, they are, besides touring for this, they are gearing up for a Saturday slot at the upcoming Magnificent Intentions Festival. So you heard all about that. So I figured we'd just throw them all in like one or two weeks, get you psyched about that, and then uh, go to town. But um, anyway, this was a fun conversation. Um, second dry conversation <laughs> that Ben has been on, so maybe he's cursing. I don't know. Uh, at any rate, uh, I'm just going to stop rambling now and get to it. Uh, so hope you enjoy this because uh, I sure did. This is uh, episode number eighty-five of Chunky Glasses the Podcasts. Pod Podcasts, nice of Chunky Glasses the Podcast. Uh, this is uh, me sitting down with the good sirs of the Cowards Choir. It happens here, and it finishes here. Two men enter, one man. Nearly a two-word review just said.
talk about shit? Do Let's this. do it. All right. Uh, Coward's Choir, welcome to the basement. Hello. Hello. Many of you, in fact, all of you except for yes. uh, Adam have been here before. Duh. Duh. God damn it. That's okay. That's all right. <laughs> no, we were talking uh, on uh, Tuesday, was it? Uh, Thursday. Thursday, yeah, yeah. about um, the Magnificent Intentions or the Beanstalk Library. Yeah, know. it's not the Magnificent Intentions, it. but it is the Beanstalk. It's Library. the Magnificent Intentions, right? The Coward Squire. Okay, so Coward Squire uh, EP <laughs> release <laughs> was, uh, was last night at IO. Yeah, new EP, yeah. Uh, Cool Currency. Uh, you guys seem surprisingly awake for having blown it out. How'd the show go? Oh, it was it was a beautiful night, man. It was, uh, we, I, we, I think we all um, felt like it was the best show we've ever played. Yeah. I, I, I feel like that. And a lot of people told us that. Um, Does that mean we have to stop? Yeah, it, it means I think we're done. It means that <laughs> yeah. we're now we've finished. <laughs> yes. Damn this, it. we've come here to announce this is <laughs> oh, the end. <laughs> um, no, we're just, I'm, I'm still like on... I'm still coming down from that. Yeah. You One know. of my friends texted me in the middle of the show last night uh, to say, and I didn't read it until later. That's good. After we played, yeah, because I don't... I That's don't, considerate. No, I thought, you know, it was nice. <laughs> but I, I, I checked my phone after we were loading out, and I had a text from a friend saying that that was... The text said, this is the happiest I've ever seen you on stage right now. Wow. Mm. So that's... Was it? I got to say, it's one. Of, it, it it was not only the best show we've played. That that's that's mm-hmm. one of those shows that I will always remember. It's one of the the best shows of my life for sure. Yeah, excellent. It was it was just a huge release, and it was weird. I was talking with uh, somebody before the show. Uh, you know, Justin Jones played an amazing set, and they finished. And uh, she turned to me. She's like, "Are you ready?" I was like, "Yeah, I'm. I'm. I'm not nervous at all." Yeah. Which generally means I don't care. Like with with right. bands where like I'm like <laughs> with, with bands where like I'm just like subbing or like I'm on a cover gig. I'm on a cover gig. It's like it's uh, I don't care. But I realized last night there's, there's just such total trust, yeah, on stage and such a confidence and that what we're doing is is really good. That just yeah, I wasn't nervous at all because I knew it was going to be quality. And but knowing that it was going to be quality and actually getting to be part of how it felt last night was two different things. I mean, it really it still far exceeded. Any expectations I could have hoped to have, you know. Nice. So let's track back from that a little bit. Um, where did Andy? You've been playing in the uh, DC area for like ten years. Yeah, I, I I moved here in like 2000, and then I and I started um, playing open mics in the area. Iota being my favorite, mm-hmm. and Stephen Negre heard me at the open mic, and so I, that was like my first legit show was at IOD. He started calling me to ask me open there. And so I, I, I released my first EP in 2004. And, uh, you know, and I met Adam just before then. Mm-hmm. And we actually started getting together in, in the rehearsal room we're in now. We, Adam and I got together and we're just, we would just jam. Yeah. And um, we, we had, talked about collaborating and so over the years we did and then when i released uh jealous hands uh, which is my last solo full-length record in 2011 adam was like the guy that i i knew i I wanted adam to play drums in the live band and um 
And then a couple guys that I played with uh, around that time uh, from the area moved to Nashville. And so I had met Ryan at um, the Nine Songwriter Series Mm -hmm. at IOTA. And I was like, I I like this guy. I like what he's about. You know, it's like um, you you just... I was actually talking to Lauren Calv about this last night, about finding people to collaborate with. Yeah. And it's, it's not... You just have a sense. We all have this sixth sense, I think that mm-hmm. that you just you he they get what I do, I get what they do. I think we can work together. Yeah, I think we can create together. Mm-hmm. And um, so I thought that about Ryan, and uh, I said, "Hey, man, do you know anyone that can play bass?" When I was looking for bass player, and he goes, "Well, tell him what you said." Um, I told him a little lie and I said, I play bass. <laughs> um, and uh, I, because I, uh, I, I like Dandy. I mean, we, we've kind of known each other very surface for a while, but I think the nine was the first time we'd ever really gotten to know each other. Yeah. Know each other. And um, I mean, I really, I really liked what Andy was about. Mm-hmm. And I'm not um, the kind of person that just, does like a billion projects. Um, not some people are, that's cool. Yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, I, I really was excited to work with Andy. And so, yeah, I, I told him I played bass and then I, uh, borrowed a bass from someone and I downloaded, <laughs> uh, Andy's jealous hands album, which was basically what we were playing at the time. Right. And I learned like the whole thing and so mm-hmm. I kind of st- I played bass like here and there like on a couple recordings and things, but not yeah. not yeah. not really very much at all until this band. So and then ar- around that same time, um, when I was touring Jealous Hands uh, to support Jealous Hands, Adam couldn't play a couple gigs, and so I had met Ben through at IOTA. Yeah, at IOTA. It all goes back to IOTA. It well, kind of it, really actually does. Ryan and I were talking about this. Is like IOTA is this sort of it has been for a while coming up as like this weird like magic like rock and roll movie where all these things like center <laughs> around this thing. <laughs> um, but yeah, it's a it's a really special place for all of us. And you know, Stephen Negre just really supports mm-hmm. and believes in. Um, so many people in this area and he's he's done a lot for us and yeah. we we're just i'm really grateful for that yeah. for that place um but so i met ben at iota and asked hey man can you come and play drums and um was our first show in annapolis mm-hmm. and we didn't rehearse and it was awesome <laughs> and we played it as a duo yeah oh wow yeah and then was like and i just there were some songs where i was like we're gonna try this thing it's different from the record but just do whatever you want. Mm-hmm. And it was great. <laughs> and so when I last year you know released uh the first coward the mm-hmm. the first coward's choir uh EP reunion um I wanted a live band. I wanted to transition from I've never I know that I guess people thought this guy's a singer-songwriter, and I I think that's the genre that I 
use you know the, yeah. the label because it's always the most appropriate but i never wanted to just well all i ever want to do is play acoustic guitar right and you know i never sat down on a stool you know offense to people to do that i it's not i'm more i'm more you want to be the verb not you've the, never not, sat not, not down the on a stool you, i mean you do sat sing and, and you do and, write songs performed sitting on a stool with legs crossed and you know that sort of Turtle vibe. Nice. Yeah, turtlenecks and cigarettes in the headstock of the. Yeah, um, exploring your feelings in great detail, whether right. you like it or not. Um, so I had this idea. I was like, you know, I want to try something new, and I knew Ryan and Adam um, were already on board, and so I thought, man, I'll, let's get Ben Tufts in here, and I wanted to do something that was a, a rhythm centric band mm-hmm. because I wanted to be really compelling live and you know there's I wanted to play the same kind of songs that I'm writing but I wanted people to have something to grab onto yeah and move them yeah it more than just myself and a guitar could can do mm-hmm. that's you know I get bored of that for 10 songs mm-hmm. I get bored of myself and yep. so I'm just it just works it works and um it I think it really shows on this EP Absolutely yeah that, I was gonna that say. trust that Ben's talking about there there's it's I mean it's four songs so by nature it's small but these are like big big songs mm. like you're pointing to the back of the fucking stadium and being like hey what's mm. up yeah um and a lot of that is this combination this instrumentation that you've done and th- there's this rhythmic thing that like keeps you uh engaged in the songs and i've seen i didn't see you last night but i saw you at uh, your benefit ben mm-hmm. and i was just like holy f-. like you, you could not be in front of that and just be like oh yeah i'm not yeah. <laughs> i'm just gonna go yeah, i mean it wouldn't it wouldn't even matter what you're singing about <laughs> i mean it does matter what you're singing about yeah. but well this is interesting because because some people have that opinion and some people have the opposite opinion and i i, I was actually having a, a conversation with a singing singer songwriter last night of who um shall remain nameless but they were saying like wow just andy's so great and of course i was agreeing i love being in a band mm-hmm. with andy i think he writes great songs or else i wouldn't have joined this project to, to begin with and he's just great and i just feel like i think this is accidental yeah but he said i just feel like you could put anybody up there behind him and it'd still sound great and i'm like well that kind of minimalizes mm-hmm. my role in the band Thanks, yeah bud. yeah but but what's funny what's so funny listen, is that, and then I'm you say beat them up. And, then, <laughs> and then you say like you know i feel like it almost doesn't matter what you're singing of course it matters what, yeah, what you're yeah. singing. but I, I think what we're what we're missing here or what sometimes people are missing is like the relatively modern phenomenon of the singer songwriter mm-hmm. thing and I think it's great. I think people need it or else it wouldn't exist. Like, we need these stories. But yeah. 100 years ago, uh, you know, the idea of somebody writing their own songs and performing them live mm-hmm. was not... I mean, that didn't really come about mm-hmm. as, as, like, a popular thing until, right. like, sort of, the, I guess, you know, I'm not a historian, but I guess maybe the, the folk revival thing. And Yeah. But, uh, you know, group drumming in is the history old, of mankind yeah, is, is way older than this phenomenon. Yeah. Mm. And um and it and I I, I dare say will be around for much longer if mm-hmm. this phenomenon Absolutely. of the singer songwriter ever stops. Mm-hmm. Like people like to see a gang like yeah. on stage like Andy yeah. has yeah. always said like we're, you know, we're a, a group on stage. And I think people noticed about it before we realized that it was a thing. Yeah. Um what Andy didn't mention is that when he had me 
uh, joined them for the release of the Coward's Choir, the first Coward's Choir EP. None of us played on that besides besides Andy. Um, oh, and wow. so it was really kind of just another, it was another Andy Zipf record, but he was kind of going for this new concept and kind of reaching for it, and I guess hadn't quite figured out all the pieces to the mm-hmm. puzzle yet. But we, um, we played, and I was not just looking at it as like, oh, this is just another gig. But I was looking at it as like, you know, Andy has... has uh, asked me to to play his songs and I like his songs a lot so I'm going to get up on stage and play them as best as I can but I wasn't looking at it like this is my band until I got off stage and two people who had just wandered into the club for the show came right up to me afterwards and were like we really love your band like do you have any do you have any merchandise? We really like, we, you know, we want to buy your record. And, I, and in my head, I was like, oh, that's cute. You think that we're a band. Mm-hmm. And then I, but I realized we, and Andy emailed, I think a couple days later, I was like, guys, I think this is a band. Like, <laughs> well, I mean, if you, and, and, thing, if you, but, and if, and if anyone listen hasn't seen you live, I mean, you can see that in the uh, video for Resist a Wrecking Ball. Mm-hmm. Um, clearly. Yeah. And that is like, and I think you described a little like slow-mo, like 80s stuff. It, it really is. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, you know, if, if you, if you're going for the poison aesthetic, <laughs> Just be like, uh, please do an on the road video next. <laughs> just like a, a solitary tear going down your cheek. Yeah. Just like life's guys fucking loading hard. road cases on. Right, right, right. right. Yeah. Um, but yeah, you can see that, and it shows in that. Uh, and that was basically filmed during the recording process, correct? Yeah, yeah. I hate being in videos. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't like looking at myself. Sure. Pretending to do things. Yeah. So, um, real quick I, tangent. Do you like listening to yourself? I am done listening to the EP for now. <laughs> okay. Um, we had to do it. It's always curious. Like, it, I mean, I I enjoy listening to it and I'm proud of it, but um, I I I do enjoy. I the best song is the next song for me always. Okay. So. That's just the thing with me. I'm always trying to. Yeah. So I'm, cause I'm so not all the time. Not all the time. If it's older, definitely not. I, I, I ask because <laughs> I have to listen to all these fucking podcasts for quality control, and uh-huh. I'm sick to death of hearing my goddamn voice. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just like, well, the guy shut up. Yeah. Like, <laughs> um, but uh, back to the thing. You hate, you hate seeing. Uh, yeah, yourself? and so I, Matt Williams of Club Hill Media, super talented guy. He actually is an is an engineer too, and. and um, we I recorded an EP with him uh, in his basement before uh, Jell's mm-hmm. hands. Uh, that one's called "Our Voice Is a Weapon." Um, but so I met him there, and he he he's a uh, great videographer. And I asked him to come and just capture us tracking the song. Yeah. And uh, so that's what that was I mean he came the day we were tracking is this a wrecking ball yeah I think it's it's what makes the video so believable is that this was not a video shoot like yeah that's essentially what you're saying Andy it's like and in, in, in fact I forgot that Andy had told us like yeah, I think Matt's gonna come shoot I had never seen any of Matt's work and he had filmed us a couple times before and so I just thought maybe he was kind of collecting footage for like a, some kind of documentary right, thing right. down the line about Andy or whatever and and I was like, oh, yeah, cool. So he'll come and get some footage. And, and on the day, I was like so focused on getting the tracking right. I was actually kind of a little annoyed. I was like, oh, that's right. There's this video thing. Because I was afraid he was going to ask us to like do a lot of stuff. He was completely so discreet that by the time Andy mentioned that there was a video ready, I had forgotten he was there. Wow. <laughs> I had completely forgotten he was there. There's no lip syncing. There was everything that's on the yeah. 
that's on the, that's in the video is is actually us playing it, which why is why it sounds so believable is because mm-hmm. we did track it all live, and so it's really that's really us. Well, if I can if I can show some seams from it, I think the only pretense about it was that it was filmed over two days, and uh, Andy had asked us to wear the same <laughs> clothes again so the second day was kind of smelly <laughs> for me for sure because it was like uh when was that august right, yeah. does that dankness come out on the song <laughs> maybe oh, yeah. yeah. some stank cuz it was so hot and yeah 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 i think ryan's referring to like maybe one one scene of us singing some harmonies. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, but the all rest the, of it I mean, was all at once. But that, but the rest of it was yeah, yeah. was was that day where all where and all of us. Tried the overall it. impression is what we were saying. It's like this is a fucking band. Yeah, like that. that is mm-hmm. there's no question that uh-huh. like, um, like I know you guys, but if this is out in the wild and somebody in like bumfuck Kansas sees it and they're like, oh, who's this band? Right. Mm-hmm. Um, when you uh, the name change. Yeah. Was that because you wanted to? do a band you want to distance yourself because this could very easily just be like the Andy Zip fan yeah um, I not a fan not a fan not a fan of that um yeah I just I didn't I I like Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers but yeah. I didn't want to I wanted to make that distinction mm-hmm. and um I just you know every once in, in a while you need to Reevaluate mm-hmm. and push yourself, and um, take risks and try new things. And you know, so I in two thousand nine, I I released an EP called "The Coward's Choir," mm-hmm. and I some of those songs, even though they came out in two thousand nine. And we've already established that I hate all my music yeah. <laughs> been released previous to 2000. Yeah. Um, well, Klezmer was was big then, so right. you really can't beat yourself up. Right, you know? Waiting for that clarinet to come back. Yeah. Um, my dad played clarinet, and it, oh, nice. it's sitting in our my parents' closet, so I could feasibly go. make that happen. Wow. Um, yeah, I just I wanted to to start again. Yeah, and I, it's going back to that idea that I don't want to just be. Well, he's a singer songwriter, and that's what he does. Yeah, um, I want to. I I have a lot of ideas. You know, I'm I'm thinking about a record now. Yeah, and I'm writing. So I've wrote, written twelve new songs, and I'm going to write twenty, and I'm going to keep writing. Yeah, and we're gonna we're gonna do a record. Yeah, when when you're putting these together, when you're writing these songs, are are you writing like? parts for other people or are you just being like I- I'm going to give you this demo and-, and you guys come up with some stuff like how how is yeah. it working right now well it's you know that's been a learning curve for me because I'm I'm used to writing writing the songs and writing most of the parts um, but going back to the trust mm-hmm. you know I'll come with and I with a, the melody and the lyrics and the you know most the core of the arrangement, but uh, I'll give you for instance you know Break Free which is track two. Yeah. The demo I recorded for that is a lot different and not right. as compelling 
as what we've done together. Right. So we we wrote that song together. So that was actually going to be my next question. Like, was there one on the EP that uh, sort of surprised you? Like, you had it. You you were picturing it this way, and then you well, get the, together with these the guys intro, all of a sudden. The intro of that song, a lot of people have commented to me like that. I love that. That's such a cool intro. Mm-hmm. That that's all Ben. Yeah. That's all Ben's. You know, idea, and he, he's like, I want to try this thing, and I'm not. My I don't. My mind does not go there. I don't know what. Right. I, even, I can't even describe it. Right. I didn't. I don't know how to. I could probably mouth drum that, but I, I can't describe <laughs> what that is. But Ben was like, "I have this idea," and so then he said, "Adam, let's, you know." He described it to Adam, yeah. and then the where, where where the guitar comes in, the first three chords. That's those are the first three chords of the chorus, and Ben said, "How about you play that in the intro?" And it's way better than what I would have come up on my own. Right. It just is. And so I'm excited to, with these new songs that I've been writing for for a record, mm-hmm. because we are going to make a record Yeah. In a, within a year. Oh, we will. Shit. Quick. Um, because it needs to happen, because yeah. there's some momentum and um, just that it needs to happen. So, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so we've said it here, so it will happen. <laughs> um, I'm excited to come with my ideas, but then to let them do what they do, mm-hmm. you know, which is, like I've said, it's one dimensional when it just comes from me. Yeah. It's a lot more moving when people hear these songs live. That's where the songs live is live. Right. This, if you didn't come last night to IOTA, then you really haven't, or if you haven't seen us live, then you haven't really heard the songs because you the essence of of them are we documented four of them you know on on the new ep cool currency but they really exist live yeah and they change a little bit each night just slightly you know and that is so that the mystery of that and the uh that i just i thrive on it right uh i think we all do and so um, I'm excited to 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 work on these songs together. Sure, you know. And uh, so, do you, do you see the albums like going forward as more like just a, a document, a marker of like this is the place and time, and like we're really just gonna like go balls to the wall and on playing shows and stuff. Or yeah, I mean, I playing live is uh, we 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 want to you know we're 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 going to Richmond tonight playing Strange Matter. Um, I think we all want to work out from the D.C. Mm-hmm. Uh, or the Virginia region, East Coast. You know, I want to I want to hit some of the markets that I haven't been to in a while. Um, that I played solo for years. I want to bring these guys to the West Coast, to the Midwest, um, some of the places in the South that have been in a while. Um, I mean. This I feel like there's a um, there's a there's a momentum mm-hmm. that we need to pay attention to. Have you have you heard from any like fans of yours before? So that just know you as you know, in yeah, it's a singer songwriter, and then they hear uh-huh. this and they're like, "What in the like, like <laughs> yeah, I mean, what the hell is going on?" Yeah, like, I love some of the reactions people have. I mean, there's this, there's 
actually, I'm 99% sure that Stephen Shreve in Franklin, Tennessee will hear this. Yeah. And he heard me in Atlanta in 2005. Steve, you're going to have to correct me on Twitter if this is wrong. <laughs> I think it was 2005 or six when I opened for Driving, Cry- Driving and Crying yeah. in Atlanta solo. Um, which is a really fun show. They're they're a pretty badass band. Um, yeah, Kevin Kinney is. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, he's awesome. Yeah, um, and he saw me, met me, and he and his wife Katie have gotten every single thing I've ever released. Nice. And he's the first person. It's Unscholars. Is is uh, Steve. Oh, okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he's the first person to message me about any music I release. Mm-hmm. And he he just loves every all of it. Yeah. And and so he's heard me solo and saw me solo at a couple different little bars in Nashville and, like I said, Atlanta. And so it means a lot when folks like Kim say, this is great. Yeah. You know? Uh, so no one has – there's been no negative reactions yeah. from people that have seen me before. They're all excited. Yeah. And that is thrilling because that was my hope is that – I'm going to try something new. I hope y'all are going to come along with me. Mm-hmm. And everybody has. When you do something like this, and like, Strange Matter isn't, isn't a giant venue and stuff. Uh-huh. Does it blow people to the back of the wall? Because, I mean, <laughs> it's a big sound. Oh, uh, well, Strange, they have lots of loud shows at Strange Matter. Yeah. But, but the double drumming thing is something that I think, I think people always are surprised by, pleasantly surprised by. Yeah. Yeah. I, think, I think it's important to... Sorry, go ahead. Oh, no, I was going to say, we've worked on our dynamics um, mm-hmm. to like be able to one pay attention to the room so that we're not just killing people but then it's important to the each individual song how we push and pull the volume because it adds to the emotion Absolutely. so what was the the guy is that Asheville oh yeah, oh, yeah. yeah. <laughs> I've told this story not on well um, but we yeah we were in Asheville when was that like last last summer Last August. And this guy... With Loris Vidal. Okay. Everybody and I don't think Adam was out. there, right? Yeah, it was just... We were playing with Ben on drums. And um, this this guy, uh, like, just stumbles up to the stage, like, beer in hand, <laughs> cigarette. <laughs> like, you guys have fucking awesome dynamics. <laughs> <laughs> that's, that's the weirdest thing to say. Yeah, I was like, that's, <laughs> a la- that's a really insightful, that's really insightful feedback. That's not what I expected from you. For a drunk person. You. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, I sort of picture like that as a, a pickup line from some guy yeah. in a bar. So I dare any of our listeners to try that. Uh, but yeah, that's awesome. So as, um, actually Adam, I'll ask, ask you this. So, uh, you and Ben being both badass drummers in your own right, how is it working with another drummer like in that effortless. capacity? Uh, yeah. For me, it's effortless. I've done shows before in the past where someone's like, oh, we should have two drummers. Mm-hmm. And it's just been chaos because you'll have one, like, people have tendencies, you mm-hmm. know, they'll push and they'll pull, you know, they get excited in different song, different parts of different yeah. songs. Um I mean, there's been a couple shows, like the one we did at the near the casino uh-huh. with uh, Jamie. Um, uh-huh. We were like super far apart, and um, we kind of missed some of the vibe. Right. But even then, it was like I didn't really think about it. I was just aware that Ben was really far away, and I missed him. <laughs> 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 but yeah, I don't. I mean, 
we write together well. Right. Um, one as a band, but then taking on the somewhat extra role of having this percussion thing. Mm-hmm. Even then, it's like our brains just kind of. It's just like one of those things where you're like, oh yeah, I'll do that, and you'll do right. that, and then it's fantastic. Yeah, we very rarely have to talk about an arrangement for a section. A lot of it's been worked out on gigs, yeah. and and it's it's a little easier for me because I as as a drummer, as the drum set player for most of my bands, like I respect that central role for basically setting the dynamics, mm-hmm. and because really. The drummer sets the dynamics. Like yeah. everybody's gonna have to play over you. So if you play loud, everyone else is gonna have to play loud. And, and the setup is like you're, you're playing drums, Adam and Ben. Adam you're playing, is playing. More, more percussion. Yeah. So. so so I you know knowing that role, it's easy for me to just kind of sit back and let Adam kind of set set the core of that, and then I get to I, it's it's fun for me. I get to just sort of layer stuff on on top of that. But um, yeah, it's been I've I've never played in a band where there were two drummers before, like in this kind of situation. Like mm-hmm. I've I've played I've played you know Latin jazz gigs where there was a uh, a conga player or where I was the conga player, right. and there's some similarities in that relationship. But you know, it's all just about listening and mm-hmm. and ego. I think I think a lot of it's just that everybody in the band checks their ego at the door, yeah, which is really 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 rare. And which, somebody even well, asked me last night, like, how do you guys find a band chemistry like that? I'm like, well. You just, I mean, we've all been in so many bands. I think all of us probably have stories about bands that have broken up because of stupid ego issues. And you, you have your regrets about that and you move on and you get older and you realize that nothing's more important than the music, you know. And you've been on this podcast a lot and it seems to be a theme that comes up, like in talking to you guys, like, like checking your ego and like getting it's, together and creating something. I mean, yeah, I, I would be surprised. We were talking about a TED Talk that was mm-hmm, made yeah. on NPR. I'd be surprised if that doesn't like actually play a major component in that talk because right. because it is so important it is important it's not as easy though as just saying mm-hmm. okay i have no ego right now because nobody wants to watch a performer that performer that doesn't have an ego yeah if you don't get on stage with kind of the attitude of like i'm i'm the shit yeah then then yeah. nobody's nobody's gonna like want to watch you so but but there there's this incredibly delicate balance that i think we've just kind of i don't want to say we've stumbled on we've all worked at edit ourselves mm-hmm. and have, mm-hmm. have played so much music that we you know that we've figured it out on our own. So yeah, it's just it's been really easy working with with Adam. Cool. Um, now, Annie, and we talked a little bit about this at uh, Lauren Cav's show. Yeah, uh, I think, and this is like mind blowing to me. I think you are the fifth person I've talked to that, at least, if it was not from my hometown, okay, uh, <laughs> lived there in a while. Okay. Um, so uh, we're talking about Lynchburg, Virginia. Yeah, yeah. Um, we talked a little bit about it, and uh, you've been there, so you know it's a, it's right. a, it's a, it's a uh, a wildly like beautiful place, uh-huh. and it is, but it is also uh, wildly weird and inappropriate yeah. in many ways. Yeah. <laughs> uh, the the time you spent there, you, what, what years were you there? Uh, so ninety seven to ninety nine. So from Lynchburg, I moved. He, I moved to this area. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, what did you take away being in that type of environment, like creatively? Were you, were you playing music? So after high school, my brother, my brother went to school there, and uh, I met. I, th- I went and visited in there, and I lived there briefly. I, and I met some guys, and they needed uh, they needed a guitarist, mm-hmm. and uh, you know, I remember that was the first. They I went to their rehearsal room, and and they they said, "Do you write songs?" 
and we were there for like four hours because mm-hmm. I just played every song I'd ever written since I was 17 or whatever. Blowing my mind that there was a rehearsal room in Lynchburg. <laughs> it was in a house in a basement. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so I joined the band as a guitarist, you know, and, and we did some touring and made a record. And, um, you know, it was a it was an important time for me because uh, that's what I wanted to do yeah. is I wanted to play music. I knew it. It just I just always knew it. Mm-hmm. And um, so I, here's my chance yeah. to play guitar and. You know, I I didn't sing any of the lead. Uh, I sing a couple songs, um, but mostly the lead singer sang some songs that I'd written. And so we they we moved up to this area because um, two guys, two of the guys in that band had girlfriends here. Okay. So, but living in Lynchburg for two years, uh, waiting for them to finish school. Um, I, you know, I told you I had the, one of my part-time jobs there was uh, yeah. at the golf course. Which my mom lives on, by the way. Mm. Ivy so, Hill? Yeah, Ivy, Ivy Hills. Hill, yeah. I'd forgotten the name of that. It's Ivy Hills. So I would get, I had to be there every day before the sun came up. Mm-hmm. And I was, I was, uh, I was on a landscaping <laughs> team. And uh, so I would get there and this guy, the whole... I know they're not going to listen to this, and some of them, you know, some of them may actually be off off the planet here, off off not with us anymore. Um, so most of them were like functioning alcoholics, yeah, mm. sweetest guys ever, absolutely, yeah, and um, would help me with my car. I was always breaking down. I had this Reliant K station wagon. I would come in there, and they had. So I've got this sort of like my wallet back then. I had everything I have that I that I owned was in this black wallet that I would put in my front pocket. Right. And so this guy Mike there had all these nicknames for me. He go because I inter- the first day I came, I thought let's say like a job. So I have to tell them my my birth name Andrew. Mm-hmm. But I haven't been I wasn't called Andrew since I was like ten. Right. You know everybody just called me Andy. And some people call me Ziff. Uh, but so first I get there, introduce myself as Andrew. And this guy, Mike, says Andrew. Then later in the day, I say, you know, you could call me Andy. And he goes, Andy Drew. <laughs> so that was the first nickname. And then he sees my wallet. He goes, Andy Drew, money brick. <laughs> and then so then as it, you know, and then like all those guys just just were were just loved to waste time man <laughs> yeah they're on the back nine and i'm like charles was our manager mm-hmm. do you remember charles do you ever meet him um tall guy kind of heavy set beard glasses always wear always wear the ivy hills hat yeah I, usually like a black I, would, shirt. I wouldn't place the name but i uh, like because by that point i was actually out of college and coming back and forth in summers okay but I did drink with those guys. Yeah, well, you. Well, I would not be surprised if you met some of these dudes I'm talking about. Yeah, so, no, no, absolutely not. So Mike, that man, Mike was crazy. He was a, like, I think he was just discharged in the army for like having a screw yeah. loose or something. Yeah. But so sweet guy though. Yeah, welcome. Just to huge arms and barrel chested. Um, so we're out in the back nine one day, and I'm like, Hey, Mike, Charles, you know, wants us to 
you know, we're supposed to go seed the, the, the green, okay? Mm-hmm. And so I'm, like, off the truck pulling these bags <laughs> off. I'm, like, moving, you know? Mm-hmm. He's like, Andy Drew, money brick, no time to play. <laughs> <laughs> and so... Uh, and so then, like, you know, so the three three nicknames, yeah. you know, I get to work. Andy Drew, my name Rick, no time to play. <laughs> and then, and then, at the time, I was dating this girl who had like convinced me that she needed to get married at twenty three, and Lynchburg. She was my first right. girlfriend, <laughs> and but she also thought that. The only way that I could be a musician was to be an ethnomusicologist, and we were going to move to Africa and live in a baobab tree. And so, which part of me was attracted to, and then most of me was like, "That's absolutely nuts. <laughs> um, that's not what I want to do." Right. So, um, but she had convinced me that we're going to get married. Right. So I start taking up extra shifts, and I would spend. Sun up to sundown at the mm-hmm. golf course, you know, getting people trying to hit me in the head with their golf ball, mm-hmm. uh, which is to this day why I don't like golf. <laughs> I've never actually yeah. played the game. But um, so because of this thing, my girlfriend telling me we're supposed to get married, uh, I'm like trying to plan to get extra money. Right. So. Mike starts calling me, man with the plan, Andy Drew, money blick, no time to play, man with the plan. So, I mean, those guys were nuts. But my favorite thing about that job, and long story short, is what I took away from that is I was by myself a lot. Mm. And, um, you know, I would see the sun come up and I'm driving on a golf cart and it's beautiful. Done it many times. And I was always riding. Always writing, in my, in my head, always, and so now I still that's how I write. Usually, is, is when I when I write the most is when I'm by myself, and I'm running, mm-hmm. or I'm driving, and uh, it it's a weird it's a weird town, and um, but it was a, a pivotal time for me, and you know I I I met my best friend in Lynchburg. We're still we're still uh, we still keep in touch, and. Um, because of the guys that I met there and moved up here, mm-hmm. I met my now wife. So, yeah, I'm glad I went. You know, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, it was. It was yeah, that, like I was saying, that blew my mind. That, yeah, uh, small there, world. There's man. a lot of. Um, it it is a good place to write. Yeah, and, and that's the thing. It is especially if you get out there. That's in Forest, Virginia, which is outside of Lynchburg, but it yeah. is it is gorgeous. It is not 20 minutes away from the Blue Ridge Parkway. Um, so like growing up there, like, you, I mean, you can just go out and if you live there now, you can go out it's large percentage of the population that doesn't, unless there's McDonald's on the way, but you know, <laughs> but if you, yeah, if you look past that, it's a very, uh, weirdly serene mm-hmm. thing just tucked, you know, at the foot of the Blue Ridge mountains. I think it's when people that don't live in Virginia think of Virginia, mm-hmm. that's what they think of. Sure. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. And yeah, like I used to when I first went to college, I realized it was it made more sense for me to just tell people I was from DC, even though I, apart from going to shows in the mm-hmm. city, I didn't actually live in DC until two years ago. Right. But you know when I meet people from other other places in the country, 
Northern Virginia oh, yeah. only means something to those of us who live in the D.C. metro area. Like right. I just tell people I was from D.C. Yeah. Because I, you know, I went to Longwood, which was yeah. in Farmville, Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. Same kind of thing. Very, very serene and rural, most of it. And uh, that's most of Virginia. Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. in terms of square mileage, in terms of population, it's a very small part. Mm-hmm. But and you have little pockets of like Charlottesville going down. Um, yeah, um, like Roanoke is more All the college towns. Mm-hmm. Sure. Yeah, Blacksburg. I mean, I went to Tech, so spent yeah. a lot of time, like, like, squarely in the mountains at that point. Um, and we played Lynchburg a couple times yeah. last year and blows my fucking was, <laughs> was, was great. Yeah, I, I love going there. I mean, yeah. I, I I wouldn't have thought that before we went, but there's a tiny um, segment of the population there. Actually, not even that tiny, but there's definitely some people there that love art and love music. Oh, yeah, 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 there yeah, definitely yeah, yeah. are. There were when when I was growing up, it was it was like a it was like Footloose. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> no, and, and it's, yeah. So I mean, you know, uh, Jerry Falwell had a big influence on the town, right? Yeah, and uh, it literally uh, you couldn't open a club. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Downtown. The downtown isn't big, you know, but yeah. you couldn't open a club. And there when are Spanky's open. Spanky's. Now we're, you, this is getting weirder because you're the second person to talk about this. <laughs> well, I. Um, Spanky's I saw, in. I started playing in 96. Yeah, like in the 90s. It was after. I worked for his brother, Richard, and actually Spanky threw a plate at my head. Nice. So there you go. <laughs> wow. Uh, that's not cool. No, it's not cool. But that's the kitchen. You know, that's, yeah. that's what happens. Um, I played an attic show one time, but I played a lot downstairs. Yeah. Was it cool? I mean, yeah. For where, for the first time, I think was like maybe 97 around in that time mm-hmm. period when I went down there to play the show. And it was just like, I was like, this is pretty cool. I mean, it's like a little district, you know, a little yeah. town area. And then there's this just big ass club with Georgia Satellites underwear. Up yeah. On the, wall. <laughs> <laughs> the, the art department, uh, which was uh, based in Roanoke. Oh, okay. And so you had three people doing all that stuff because they wanted to be like the Rock and uh, Rock and Roll Hotel, uh, Hard, Hard Rock, Rock Cafe. Cafe. Yeah. And yeah, so they buy all this memorabilia mm-hmm. and just like paste it up mm-hmm. or just sit down there and huff glue. I'm not sure which. <laughs> you know, we all like to talk trash about our respective small towns we grew sure. up in. But I think, I think if, you li- if you listen to Patton Oswalt, who's one of my favorite comedians who also happens to be from my hometown, yeah. Sterling, Virginia, he has a whole bit about the test of being from a small town. And what it makes you do, what it forces you to do with your local community, because especially back then when I was growing up when there wasn't any internet until like after I left high school, like yeah. uh, the bands that were successful, the people that came out of Sterling and I'm sure came out of each of our respective, mm-hmm. like, you know, small hometowns, like uh, were the number of people that, that were successful is, is, is disproportionate to the size of the town because you had to make your own cool shit because yeah. you weren't living in a big city. And it creates this sort of DIY thing before they created that DIY thing before yeah. I think that DIY was a, a thing that yeah. people would talk about for music or anything. Um, and, you know, uh, I'm, I'm thankful that I grew up in a town where there was nothing to do because I might not have started a band. Yeah, if, it wires you If there was too it, much to do. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, if you, if, you, if you have an expectation of, like, this should be X and this should be Y and this, because you grew up in a scene or something yeah uh you you are going to do it differently as opposed to like if like i said there's nothing to do you're just like i have i have this i have this yeah let's make something sterling <laughs> sterling was just a bedroom community like the first couple hundred houses were built by u.s steel it was literally just intended to be a commuter mm-hmm. a place for people to sleep who were who wanted to live yeah. outside of dc but work in dc and you know Patton oswald came out of sterling and so many bands and musicians that i that i still love 
have lots of musicians uh, from Sterling or, you know, so I think that's probably, that's why Lynchburg makes sense to me. Mm -hmm. Like it wasn't a big surprise when we went there and there was like this core community because they're starved for, (laughs) for any art, you know, you have to make your own cool stuff there. Well, actually I I tagged you Ben in the, uh, that list of uh, top 10 influential albums. And I think if you look at that list, like no, I still haven't responded. No, you don't, it's a scary you don't have to. Respond. But uh, a friend of mine tagged me. It's it's this thing going uh, to bring it full circle to the conversation up, upstairs. This thing going on on Facebook right now. Yeah, <laughs> um, and uh, so somebody asked me, and it, you can you can go one way or the other uh, with it. You can be like uh, very um, not pretentious, but be like these are these are important albums, right? Or uh, I think do what I did was just go. These are the albums that like were important to me, and all of them were like like bad second releases from that. Not the great album, <laughs> <laughs> or like like Pink Floyd. I mean, there's there's a lot to talk about there, but the one that was like the best for me uh, was Delicate Sound of Thunder, which is a live mm-hmm. album. Which is like some people were like, oh, that's cheating. And I'm like, yeah, but like eight times every weekend I listen to it. So what? How is that? Yeah, anything. And it's because there was. Uh, there's not a wide exposure in these places yeah. and stuff. And so uh, you can get on to stuff like that and it encourages you to, I guess, look elsewhere. Uh-huh. I know it did me. Yeah, well, that's a really good... I mean, that's a cool point because I think a lot of times... I, I mainly grew up around D.C. Yeah. But I'm not, like, super media conscious. Right. But it's hard not to be. It's just it's there when you live in yep. this area. Yep. But I think a lot of kids... I toured for about 10 years after high school and played with every local band you can imagine and sometimes it was amazing because these kids they didn't have this like especially because the internet wasn't huge mm-hmm. then there wasn't this overwhelming push of I mean people talked about it back then like oh people pay to play on the radio and they're just shoving this down yeah, our yeah. throats but there's still a realm where kids they don't they don't know that you're not supposed to listen to the second release of a band that was kind of crappy. Right. <laughs> Whereas other kids are like around the city, they're like, oh, you should listen to this one and not this one. Right. So you go buy the cool one yeah. and you completely miss out on the other one. But these kids who aren't influenced in any way are listening to other realms of music right. that you're not necessarily in tune with. So then you'll go play a show in like the middle of nowhere, Wyoming in this local band will put on an amazing show mm-hmm. and you're like what the hell where did these guys come from mm-hmm. yeah and it's not great yeah and it's fantastic because one like you were saying they're bored yeah and they got to do it's either like like you said huff glue or yeah. steal things <laughs> or you know get in your friend's basement right. and make noise till you figure out how to make right. nice noise <laughs> i think you one know? of the biggest scourges on music fandom is this idea of am I supposed to like this oh, or yeah. not? Absolutely, yeah. oh, yeah. absolutely. I, I'm just so over that. Mm-hmm. You know, just if 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 you love New Kids in the Block, love it. Yeah, who cares? It. Do it. Mm-hmm. Actually, uh, Chris Richards wrote a good piece about that about the uh, guilty pleasures. Yeah, and there like, are none. No, fi- no, I mean, no. I mean, what's look, what's like, so guilty about pleasure? Yeah, I mean, my 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 first CD was uh, like twice removed from Rick Springfield's arguably good work. Uh, it, it wasn't Working Class Dog. It wasn't even the one after that. It was like Tao, which was like had State of the Heart on it or something. But like that, 
I thought you said State of the Heart on. Sorry. No. <laughs> <laughs> that, I've got to hear that record. Uh, well, he has a documentary, and it's a Rick Springfield cruise. So uh, I, Ooh, I recommend this whole watch that sometime. But, um, but yeah, that, I mean, nobody's going nobody's gonna to reach for that. But that shaped, like, how I hear music. Uh-huh. Sure. Like, because I was just like, this is all... And part of it was the delivery method. It was like, fuck yeah, it's a CD. Like, I don't know what a CD is, but fuck it. <laughs> yeah. There we go. It's in that long cardboard box. Uh, luckily, yeah. immediately followed by uh, Brothers in Arms, Dire Straits. So nice. Oh, at, le- at least got something yeah. in there. <laughs> yeah. But, but yeah, it's like, you know, there's... Uh, I would never apologize for that, and nobody should. Yeah. I'd just be like, fuck you, I like that. Yeah, well, and people that tend to, like, divorce themselves or, like, you know... From from stuff they listen to in their teens, I think miss out on a big part mm-hmm. of what makes rock and roll fun. You know, I, I I listened to a lot of 311 when I was in college. Yeah, and I and all of my friends did. But you would think now, I mean, I have some friends who are absolute revisionists. Yeah, like oh, 311, <laughs> man, that's that stuff. I'm like, Gr- we used to drive around and the blue album, blasting that stuff so much. And even if I I can't relate to it mm-hmm. now, the way I I thought I could back then, like. I mean, it's inevitably part of what I do every time I hit a drum because I listen to it so much. Yep. It's it's just like, even if you have a friend that you haven't talked to in years and maybe you were friends with them for the wrong reason back in the day, like if you talked to each other a lot, you absorb some of their language and some of their mannerisms. Yeah, yeah. And like, it's just part of you. Like, mm-hmm. deny it if you want, yeah. but mm-hmm. it's part of you. So to, to that point, Andy, like what what is inevitably part of like your sound like when you are writing a song? Like, I like to ask people a lot of times, it's, it's a little different than your what your influences are it's like what what song do you think inside that you're like uh writing like that you always hear uh well my dad was a preacher for half my life okay and um up until i was in high school and my mom played piano at the church and we sang hymns and the 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 arrangements of those hymns are in me. Mm-hmm. They are just I hear them. Right. Um and because I started writing songs, you know, for to find that to find a piece, right? Yeah. So um so I would think of those melodies, which are a lot of them, are really simple. Yeah. Um, so that's that's a that's in there, um, and then you know, it's not cool, especially now to like you too. Oh, fuck that! It's, of course, it's cool. And um, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, we just we just covered that. Yeah, yeah. Um, but like uh, the Joshua Tree. You know, my older brother had that record, and I, mm-hmm. we listened to it constantly. And I learned, I can play every song off that record. Um, I know every lyric. I I listened to it recently, and it doesn't hit me the same way. But I picked yeah. up different things from it, and it's like what Ben was talking about, three eleven. Like, um, it's it's affects the way I yeah. write songs and the way I sing, and um. But uh, I had to relearn how to play guitar after after learning that record because that's not how you really play guitar. No, not no. how you, you need, you know. That's a 
I had to learn how to play rhythm guitar. Yeah. That's that's not how you do it. No. Um, <laughs> like, I got a delay pedal, and everything was like, just like, all right, cool, chill with the delay pedal. Well, I mean, I, I can tell you, I, I actually had the same experience. Like, as a guitar player, it is very much, uh, and, and I this, I still do this, the, the edge filled up this space. Yeah. Just the edge. Yep, yep. And you're right. That's not how you play guitar. Because if you if you don't succeed at it, uh-huh. it sounds really bad. Right. <laughs> you're just like a big part of like how he started playing yeah. and how he started using all those pedals was like it's like that David Byrne book that talks about how a big part of like uh, certain styles of music has to do with the spaces that it was mm-hmm. performed in. Yep. Like I mean, they were playing huge, huge arenas right. mm-hmm. yeah. for mm-hmm. so long. Of course, he had to he had to he had to sound huge. He was mm-hmm. one yeah. guitarist in like one uh-huh. of the world's biggest bands. Like yeah. So that bigness, I think, comes from that, probably. Mm-hmm. How do you make an, a, a yeah. one guitar and sound huge in an arena? Yeah. Mm. Delay. <laughs> yeah. Um, and then another another album, another band that is definitely always there is uh, Radiohead. Yeah. Because def- I, yeah. I saw, when I, was, when I was in high school, this uh, girl from my artistry class got tickets to see Radiohead at Roseland Dance Hall in New York, and gave me one and uh so we went to see radiohead and uh they're they played the bands oh yeah. was on that tour and i that and was Brian, like, it no. just it just hit me that <laughs> hit me at the the precise moment it needed to mm-hmm. and um you know nights like last night are what i had i dreamed about after seeing radiohead that night yeah that's what I have been trying to do since then. Yeah. And that's one of the reasons why I make music. Yeah. Um, also, this is a little bit later, but seeing The Verve at the 930 Club mm-hmm. on the Urban Hymns Tour. Yeah. Another night that I will never forget. Yeah. And also seeing, actually, my brother worked as a lifeguard for Hershey Park and... Um, and when I, this one, I was in middle school and, uh, we got to hear you two rehearse auction baby in the parking lot before they went on that tour. Yeah. And so having been such a, like I said, a huge fan of, um, the Joshua tree. And then he's like, dude, you two is rehearsing for their new album. It's really different. (laughs) Yeah, in the parking in in the in Hershey Park Arena. Yeah, so he got tickets for it, and it was like a because they, they did a show before going to the Meadowlands for the the actual start of the tour, um, and they were like twenty bucks or something, fifteen, yeah. and we sat really close, and I could not contain myself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I did not know what to do with myself. <laughs> I was. Just my face hurt because I was smiling so much. Right. Right. Both of us, my brother and I, just yeah. Hershey Park Arena was the intimate warm-up venue for you two. <laughs> right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. right. Um, so I, you know, and my my dad, also the Beach Boys. My dad loves mm-hmm. the Beach Boys, um, and my mom, he and my mom love folk music. So you know, I there I you know don't get me wrong, I love. A songwriter and a guitar. That's, I yeah. love that. Um, but that's just one color on the 
easel. Yeah. Well, I mean, and hearing you talk about like the bands you mentioned and you know your parents' like, history with hymns and stuff, like you can hear that on the new album. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I think I said at the top of this, like these are big songs. Mm-hmm. Uh, they're big, uplifting songs, um, and you don't necessarily hear that too often um, because I think a lot of people are uh, maybe not afraid, but they just mm-hmm. don't. They don't want. You're like, oh, you're Mr. Uplifting. It's, right. like, mm-hmm. it's like, no. I mean, there's like, uh, you know, and again, it, it matters what you say, but like there's even in- instrumentation in this that you could go down some really dark paths mm-hmm. and it still sound like the Coward Squire, I think. Yeah. Um, but, yeah. Yeah, I guess it's not. But, you know, the name, I, I like the name Cool Currency for this because I, I'd actually written a song with that title mm. it's actually the song's actually not good but um <laughs> but i'd like the title and it's this idea that there is there is no currency in cool yeah it doesn't matter it's it doesn't matter what you if you like you know 311 new kids on the block that's okay you don't have you know this you know pitchfork telling you what to like and man it's just bullshit like yep mm. you if you I I am not I, that these songs are who I am. I am a hopeful person. Right. So uh, that might not be attractive to some people. They're like, "What is with this guy always saying things that are like it's going to be okay?" Right, right, right. right. <laughs> Man, I can't stand that. That's cool. You don't have yeah. to like it. You know. Well, you don't have to like everything. Yeah, you're not, you're not going to. Period. Mm-hmm. Um, and. Uh, I think um, talking to a couple artists, and they were like one actually um, famously, their mom sort of trolled us because we oh. talked about the record. Oh. And when I asked them specifically about it, they're like, "Oh my god! Like why? Like it's okay for somebody not to like it? Like I, yeah. I love the album, but somebody uh, uh, yeah. Adam actually did not. Hmm. But um, you know, and yeah, it is. I think if if people, especially now, like you say, pitchfork and yeah. in. in uh, an age where everything is available at all times. It just mm-hmm. it just is. If people start to think about music more in terms of like like this is you, this is a person. Sure, yeah. sure, there's a product, right? And sure, there is that, and that is in a large part like pretty easily like picked out. You know, you can say this is like actual corporate rock. It had a, had a slew of songwriters in and stuff, mm-hmm. but even if that. You're still talking about performers and musicians, right. and right. and so you can like like what you want. And, mm-hmm. and respect. I think I think we're just talking about sounds that make you happy, whether right. they're yeah. deliberate or not. Exactly. I mean, yeah. The sounds the sound of like peeper frogs make make me happy. Chorus <laughs> frogs because where I grew up there was lots of them around and yeah. they were they were always really loud at night. That sound makes me happy. That's not a band. But you know what? Whatever I was just the intent. Write that down and check that out. It's not a band. They're not on iTunes, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, You've got to hear the new Peeper Frog. You know those, you know those frogs never made a penny I, off those. Ten bucks. I searched right now and it comes up. But, but my point is, like, whatever the intent was, the organization was behind it. Like, if it makes you feel better listening to it, like that's. I think that's why we're all doing this. So. Yeah. And we talked about this when it's I was here simple. a couple days ago. We did. Like, I mean, to me as an artist, like, I just don't know what else to do except make music that I would want to listen to. Right. Make records that I would want to listen to. Right. Um, p- curate a festival that I would want to go to. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and I I love the music that we make, that I make with Andy. I, I, 
you know, I'm I'm a very anxious flyer, and I uh, jealous hands on a plane calms me down, and I love it. And I, uh, yeah. you know, I, I want to listen to. I'm a fan of of Andy's songs. I want to listen to it. I like listening to Cool Currency. I'm not tired of it yet. <laughs> and I'm not tired of it. I'm just... Yeah. I'm excited, and so I'm like, all right, let's make a record. Nice. You know? I had a solidifying moment in my earlier career as a musician. I was on tour, played a show, and this girl wanted to do an interview, but she didn't want to do it at the venue. We want, She wanted to go to, like, a restaurant or something. So mm-hmm. she's like, you can hop in my car, you can ride with me. And I was like, cool. So something happened, and she jammed on her brakes, and, like, the car lurched, you know... And, like, all the crap under her front seat came sliding out. Yeah. And it was, like, a bunch of bands that I toured with and, like, some of the records that I'm on, some of my band's <laughs> records and stuff. They're just, like, out of the case, just loose CDs just sliding from underneath her front yeah. seat. And I looked at it, and it was, like, it solidified something in my brain that I had not thought about before. Because at first I was, like, oh, that sucks. You know, it's the record that I worked so hard on is just sitting under somebody's front right. seat. But then it dawned on me, that's everywhere. I do it. I've got CDs mm-hmm. that I love that I've not taken care of. But at the same time, it's like it reminded me that as much effort and love as I can put into my own music, it's still going to sometimes just end up under somebody's front seat <laughs> yeah. or in a dollar bin. But that's better and, than being on the shelf still in the plastic. Yeah, yeah but see, my point is... <laughs> And the fact that it got there meant that it probably got played a bunch yeah. in the car. That yeah. part didn't matter to me. What mattered to me was the fact that it only relates to the fact within my realm that I love to do it. I love to make right. it. And what happens after that really doesn't affect me yeah. in any way. And it was a cool moment. I didn't bring it up to her or anything like that, but I was just like, <laughs> like what the fuck is this? <laughs> well, I, are, are you stalking me? <laughs> I just had a really weird epiphany about my art and love and things like that. Um, but I was glad it happened because it, it re- kind of released me from the like the connectedness of what happens to my music afterwards. Yeah. Did she hit, were there any new kids on the block CDs under the seat also? <laughs> no, there may have been a 311 one. Though. Mix right and on, match. Right um, well, guys, we're, we're, we have busted an hour. Nice. Oh, uh, if there's anything else uh, you want to talk about, Andy, or anything you guys want to talk about, um, to... just we're really proud of the new EP, Cool Currency. Mm-hmm. It's the first time the four of us have recorded together all in the same room. Uh, the live energy on those recordings is palpable, and um, please check it out. Come to a show. Uh, go to thecowardschoir dot com. All of our tour dates are there. Please come and, and we're going to be us. tweeting them out every day on awesome. this tour coming Thanks, up. Man. So um, we're playing. When is this going to? This won't come out for a couple of weeks. So okay, so um, probably in time for uh, Magnificent Intentions Festival at IOTA. Yeah, October eighteen, mm. seventeen, eighteen, nineteen. Yep. Um, and then uh, and we're playing the eighteenth. Yeah. Uh, but, every but come day. to the whole thing. I was yeah, going to say we might we you know schedule might change so people should just come to every day. Yeah, right. just to make sure so. that they. The every day is great. We yeah. already talked about this in the it's like, it's a couple like, days yeah, ago. But Thursday, Ryan was down here talking about yeah specifically yeah. that. So uh, and then after that, we're playing in Charlotte at Evening Muse October twenty fourth in Atlanta, Georgia October twenty fifth at Vinyl. Um, but come say hi to us. 
Yeah. Another show. Yeah. Awesome. Thanks, Thank Kevin. you guys for stopping by. Yeah. Thanks, Thanks for having us. Uh, I'm sure I will talk to most of you again. Yeah. <laughs> Take it easy, guys. Yeah, you too. Hope you learned everything you need to know about the Coward's Choir with that. Uh, I know I sure did. Uh, it's sort of fascinating to see how these guys work together because they all have their own separate thing. Um, and Andy, at least for this group, is sort of the nucleus of that. But uh, they all definitely, um, you know, it's, it's this burgeoning. We've, we've talked about the scene across the river, and burgeoning isn't the right word. It's just there. Um, but to see all these musicians who are... Uh, Really, really striving to and succeeding, I think, in, in, in doing the best work they can and then seeing that uh, sort of grow exponentially in levels of success. Cool Currency is out now uh, in CD and digital formats. You can get it on multiple sites. You can stream it. Uh, I suggest you do that. Uh, it's four songs. It's quick. So uh, you don't have to commit a lot of time to it. By the time you do, I think you're going to enjoy it. Uh, it is a great, great sounding record. Uh, Andy... He's a great songwriter. Uh, and it, it, at the very least, it'll get you excited for... He mentioned he wants to start working on an LP, so I assume they're going to do that soon. And uh, you should be excited for that, because I think that's going to end up really well. Now, this whole thing is in uh, is in perspective for them as to exactly what they're doing. So uh, look forward to that. I'm sure we'll have them back on once that's completed. Or I'm sure you'll hear from at least some of them uh, later on this year in the podcast. Uh, so... They're out on a couple more tour dates. Uh, the first one up, though, Magnificent Intentions Festival. So please uh, go see that at IOTA this weekend. Uh, there's links. I don't think there's links in the show notes. But uh, if you aren't sure what that is, listen to the podcast we did with uh, Ryan and Brian about that. Uh, basically an awesome festival put together of bands from both sides of the river. Um, and three days of great music for a uh, pretty damn good price. So treat yourself do that uh coming up in the next few weeks on the podcast we have uh lewis weeks i think that's going to go next week uh then talked with the guys from uh hometown sounds that's going to be coming up i know uh, adam is going to be busy talking to a band uh from around here that's sort of a, a surprise it should be a good one um and finally we get to talk about the hundred visions ep probably bundle that with the xx uh, EP release or album release that just came out which if you haven't heard is awesome but uh, these guys in 100 Divisions uh, we've been fans for a long time and uh, they're awesome and their new album is awesome and we've been sitting on it for a long time but now we get to talk about it so there you go uh, yeah alright so that's our podcast as usual thanks for listening you can subscribe to us in iTunes you can listen to us on Stitcher you can download from the site you can do so many things with it uh, but 
Uh, yeah, we will talk to you soon, hopefully in a few days. See you later.